Hello, my friends. My name is Joe, and we are almost done with 2019. Today's entire episode is about Laura and her family Christmas party. We've all been there. Her actual question, what do I say that doesn't blister off their faces? I love that phrase, blister off their phrases. It's the most wonderful time of year, except for so many people it isn't because I got to go to the Christmas gathering. I got to go hang out with my family and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. We're going to talk about the two things you control in that situation. I guarantee you, you control both of them. And if you own that, it will greatly improve all of your interactions that you don't want to have. Let's kick it off. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I want to start with an email that I got. Uh, actually, I got a couple emails that I wanted to talk about. I don't know if I'll be able to get to all of them because I think this one actually might take a little while. I'm just going to start right in. Dear Joe, I listened with great interest to your episode on emotional reasoning. I agree and disagree, which is one of my most frustrating statements that people say. Or they'll be like, well, I agree to an extent. Uh, I'm okay with people agreeing and disagreeing. I don't know. I just, or my personal opinion. I am not looking forward to my family's upcoming Christmas trip, but we will be combining families. His sister... I'm going to assume that she means her husband or significant other, is going to complain the entire time about how hard parenting is. She has one child. For reference, I have four, one teenager and three littles. My teenager was before I ever met my husband. I get so tired of her complaining, and if I disagree, I am a hater or I am judging. I'm judging her. I'm judging her, or I don't know what it's like to walk in her shoes. Which is true. I have to admit to that. But I had my teenager when I was just a teenager, and I figured it out without whining all the time. I feel like our society is addicted to being victims, and she is example A. We have it so good, probably the best in history, and we still all seem to complain. Makes my head want to explode. I agree with you when you say life is hard because it's supposed to be hard because that's how we learn and grow. Well, I'm glad you agree. Then my family, where to start? My sister will talk about how she's a minimalistic, how she's minimalistic, and how the world is going to end if the rest of us don't join her. I honestly want to punch her. I'm just going to go right out on a limb right now and say don't do that. She's not even minimalist. She talks a good game, but she's not. Then there's my parents. Divorced but civil. They'll both come with their new whatevers. I suppose that's an email for another day. And yet I feel, I suppose you dislike that word. I actually don't dislike it at all. And yet I feel that we should go. I want my kids to have a relationship with their grandparents, and I have fond memories of my time with my cousins. I want my children to have that, but it isn't working that way. My teenager picks up extra shifts at work to avoid the family get-togethers when they are this big. We used to all stay together for days. Now we have that down to about two days. We get a hotel, so we have a retreat. We did listen to your episode last year where you talked about those things. But what do I say? In other words, what do I say to them? How do I respond in a way that isn't blister their face off? I just want peace. What do I say to them when they're driving me crazy? Sincerely, please help. 
Okay, so please help. I'm going to have to make up a name for you because please help isn't a name. A lot here. First of all, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to write in. Uh, certainly, we know that Christmas time can be one of the most, holiday times can be the most difficult for families, Christmas time being one of the bigger ones because there is kind of two holidays there stacked close by Christmas and New Year's. This year, they're right in the middle of the week. I think it's Wednesday. And so as we run this out and you look at the opportunities that you have to figure out how you're going to handle distress with your family, you end up at a good, really good question. What do I say? How do I respond? That really fits into a larger context of society because there's a lot of people dealing with exes this holiday where they split custody with their children and they're uncertain what to say. There are people dealing with family members and they're just not sure how do you how do you move forward. There are people, you know, if you think about, you talked about your parents and they're, they're both divorced and they're going to show up with their, I think you called them their new whatevers. Another way, another problem that, that is common that, that I process through with people a lot this time of year is the opposite of that, which is, hey, my parents are divorced. They hate each other. How do we get around them? Or my brother's about to go through a divorce and we're not sure if his wife's coming or not. We don't think she is. Or my brother's going through a divorce and his wife just sent out this group text to everybody telling us all about it. Uh, and we're not sure how to proceed or, and, and the situations, I could say a lot of ors there and fill in a lot of situations of the question of what do I say that doesn't blister someone's face? I think that's a, a strong metaphor. And I also think that that is a great goal. You want to have responses that don't blister someone's face off. Also, I would like to say that I don't dislike the statement, uh, I feel like we should go. I think it might be the wrong use of a verb because it sounds like you think you should go. You have a belief that you should go that has led to the feeling. I would start there though. Why? Why do you feel you should go? And why do you feel you should go for as long as you should go? Now you touched on this later in your email and I appreciate that. You talked about your, you, you want your children to know their grandparents. Uh, so I'd have some more questions. Remember my three favorite questions. So what, why, and then what? Okay, so so you want your parents to know your grand their grandparents, your, your children to know their grandparents. Okay, so what does that mean? Do they not see them throughout the rest of the year? Is this the only time that they get to see them? Or is this part of the context that you want to shape their memories? You did also just say three littles. I don't know what that means Obviously, I know it means little kids, but I don't know if that means like, are they 11? Are they nine? Are they sub five? You know, what are they? Why does your teenager not want to go? Because right there, you have a stated goal. And, you know, based on the rest of the email, you have a stated goal. And then you have an outcome that is not matching that stated goal. So I'd have questions about that. Why is that? Why does your outcome not match your stated goal? You know, one of the hardest questions to ask yourself is if I wasn't related to these people and they live next door to me, would I want my kids to have a relationship with them? And if the answer is no, that doesn't mean that you don't have any relationship with them. 
But I think that should inform how you engage these stressful arenas. So I'd start there. My stated goal is I want my kids to have a relationship with my grand, with my parents and with their cousins. And you actually stated it isn't working out that way. They don't have good memories with their cousins. Now, again, and I'm not, I appreciate the email, but I don't know. Does that mean just your teenager? Does that mean your littles as well? And if that's the case, is it just normal? Like they're all six. And so, you know, six-year-olds will play for a while and then they get, don't get along and then they do get along. Or is there something deeper going on there? I think you're going to need to pull that apart. Also in your email, I notice you don't talk about your significant other other than you refer to him as his uh, when you, or him when you talk about his family. Uh, it, does he share your frustrations? Does he share your dislike of how this situation is working out? Does, is he looking forward to going or does he not want to go? Because I do think when the two of you come together, you get married, you become one. Uh, over time, like like there, there are things that you bring to the relationship that he doesn't, and there are things that he brings to the relationship that you don't. And one of the things that I often tell people is if there's a lot of distress going on, I want to look at, okay, tell me about the family situation. In other words, is this just a you issue, or is your whole family on board that this isn't working out the way we would like it to. Listening on headphones, you're going to hear my uh, coffee cup come down there. It's actually hot tea uh, if you're interested. But okay, so back to the email. We have it so good. I feel like our society is addicted to being victims. I'm going to call you Laura. Laura, well, that is not her name, people. Her name is in her email. Uh, it doesn't start with an L. It doesn't sound like Laura, but that's what I'm going to do. Uh, it's in the email address, not, it wasn't signed. Laura, I don't disagree with you. I think we're addicted to outrage. We're addicted to victims. We, we just, we, we like to complain. None of that I disagree with. My question though for you is, so what does that mean? So you have now, you, you want to like speak out against this. My question would be why, why is that so important to you that you want to speak out against this thing from his sister that drives you crazy? Are you afraid that she's influencing your children in a way that you don't like? Like, what's the goal in speaking out to her? Before I can answer your last question, we kind of have to get there. Well, what, what's the point? What are you trying to accomplish in your answer to her? Right? Uh, why does it make your head want to explode? And I, I mean, I don't know. I've been in places where like literally from the moment it started to the moment you left, the person complained. Maybe that's it. I, I don't know. But again, one of the things that I, I do believe and I do know is you don't control anything that goes on inside that room or that house or that party except how you respond to it. You, you control two things. Do you interact with those people? And if you do, how do you interact with those people? That's it. That's the only two things in there you control. Now, in the second part of that, you can respond to them. You can say to them, to his sister, hey, I feel like you're complaining a lot or... I probably wouldn't actually say that. That's probably a pretty bad way to go. We'll get to what you could say at the end there, I guess, when, I, when I've had more time to think it through and my tea has worked its way through my system a little more. But what? It, why do you feel the need to respond? If you break it down to what you control and what you don't control, you control those two things. Do you interact and how do you interact? It sounds like you have already answered the question of, yes, I will interact. You want some answers on the, well, how do I interact? I would 
start with make all of your responses as kind as possible. A few weeks ago, I did the, the, the questions necessary to figure out what needs to be said, right? So, or, or to how to engage in a conversation needs to be said. What's the kindest way that I can say it? What's the most grace that I can give while I say it? And then did I follow a system that allowed me to communicate well? And, and I won't you know redo that whole episode, but that, that would be where I would start. And then I think the bigger opportunity in something like this is if it isn't working out why the way you want it to, why isn't it working out? Like what's going on? I'd have a conversation with my teenager. Why are you picking up shifts? And, and I need more than just, oh no, I don't like it. No, no, no. What don't you like? Like what is, what is the problem? And if it's maybe some way that somebody's talking to him or her, or maybe some way that somebody is, is talking to you and they have to watch it, you can address that. And so you can start to use that to teach something about the underlying character that you want your child to have uh, and, and how this could be an opportunity to unearth that, to grow it, to, to uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? To, to plant it, if you will, to fertilize it, to grow it. Uh, to farm it. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for, to, to farm it. You, you, could, you could approach it that way. But then you need to use that same type of reasoning back to yourself. Why is it driving you? Why is you so angered? Because the thing of it is, is an answer that, quote, blisters their face off, which I, I love the turn of that phrase. But, but that type of answer is an intensity answer born of frustration. So what's the frustration and why do you believe intensity is the work there? And, and typically there's, there's two extremes to this. Typically there's the people that blister somebody's face off. And then there's the people that don't say anything. Uh, and it runs in their head later, all the things they could have said, but they don't actually process it. And so they leave and they're angry and bitter and they also lose the opportunity to learn. And so I think perhaps to be honest with you, I don't have a lot of good what's for what do you say, but I do think the best thing that you can do is base it around that idea of what's the kindest thing that I can say. And, and you still can tell them you disagree with them. I was having a conversation. Uh, I was actually practicing with two clients yesterday over two things that were said to me that I completely disagree with. One of them, I actually have empirical evidence to disprove. I was having a conversation with someone about uh, a holiday controversy, air quotes. And they were talking about how it's a new thing, this thing that they were, and I'm like, actually, it isn't new at all. It's been around for hundreds of years, and it doesn't mean what you say it means. I didn't lead with that. I was just like, okay, wait, wait, tell me more about this. Help me understand you. So you can do those things. So when your sister-in-law is like, oh, you know, I'm a minimalist. Well, what does a minimalist mean to you? How do you see that working out in your life? We're doomed if other people don't join us. I'm, I'm you know, giving words to what you said. Okay, well, what does that mean? How would that work? Uh, there, there's an interesting letter that was written hundreds of years ago where the author is writing to people that he is, is life coaching in some extent. And, and he says that whatever you say, whatever, however you speak to people, this is my translation of it. Uh, obviously, it wasn't written in English. Because uh, English, as we understand it, didn't exist then. But whatever you say, whatever you speak, whatever you do, out of, whatever comes out of your mouth, it ought to be so that it benefits all those who listen and it meets their needs as, a, as a, is, is their need. One of the things that, you, that I would encourage you to start asking yourself, I encourage you to engage your family in this conversation as well. 
what are the needs of the people in this party that we're going to now? Cause remember you control two things. You control two behaviors. Am I going to interact with these people? Yes or no. And then in this setting, and then how am I going to interact with them? Once you decide, yes, you're going. And for all I know, there may be good reasons for you to decide not to go, but you've decided to go. So then the question becomes, how are you going to do it? I think you have to start with setting up the how in a way that says, I'm looking to better understand what their needs are. What are their distressors? So I had this conversation where I had the empirical evidence to back it up. And then I had another conversation where someone saw a Facebook conversation I had uh, about teachers. And in that, the Facebook conversation, a girl that I went to high school with, I actually went to high school with her sister, I think, uh, said that you can't call any teacher a bad teacher. And this person said, I agree with her. And I was like, okay, cool. Tell me more about that. What does that mean? Because I, I, I completely disagree. But if, if I lead with that, I'm not trying to unearth their need. I'm not trying to understand what is their need? What is going on inside of them? And I don't have to do that. I could choose not to interact with them. I could be like, okay, well, that's good that you disagree. Uh, you agree with her and disagree with me. That's fine. And sometimes I do that because there isn't going to be a productive conversation. But if I'm going to interact with people at a party, regardless of whether or not the conversation is going to be productive, and we have to define that word productive, I'm probably still going to be in conversations. So I have to come up with ways to engage that conversation. So with my friend, I was like, so you don't feel like anybody that's not a teacher can say there's something, there's bad teachers. Because that would actually change my argument a little bit. If she was saying, well, no, teachers can say there are bad teachers, but non-teachers can't. Oh, okay, like, let's talk about that. And, and it turned out that her position was no one can say there's such a thing as a bad teacher because everybody's trying their best, which, again, I completely disagree with. I, I don't agree with that at all. Brene Brown lost me in Rising Strong when in the last third of the book she talked about there are people that everybody's trying their best, including criminals. No, they're not. I've sat with too many victims who were raped. The person who raped them wasn't trying their best. They just weren't. You have to account for evil. Totally different podcast. What did you say? An email for a different day? But I could still have conversations with people. Now, there are some things that I have to take into account because I don't control what they do, but I can take into account what they do and I control how I respond to it. So like the people who, you know, the, the person with the, the conversation about teachers, I won't engage the first person in a conversation about that again because they didn't actually deal with any of my questions. They didn't deal with any of my points. It was very much, I believe, caught up in emotional reasoning. And it's very difficult to have a logical conversation with someone who's caught up in emotional reasoning. And so their need is probably to feel safer. And that's fine. I can provide that. I can listen without disagreeing. Or I can disagree without voicing my disagreement. So your sister-in-law or your sister that drives you crazy. I don't know. I got, I lost track. Who's which one's which they're both sisters, right? But the one that only has one kid and you have four, honestly, I get it. My wife and I talk about it. There, there seems to be a lot of people who complain about how hard parenting is. And I agree it's hard, but I think it's supposed to be hard. But again, what is their need? And what are the words that you could speak that would be beneficial for them to hear? Could you find a way to encourage her without feeding into how hard parenting is? 
or, or could you agree with her that parenting is hard and find a way to encourage her without feeding into she's a victim because ultimately this comes back to the why are you going are you going so your kids can have a relationship with your grandparent with their grandparents because i mean i think about this our parents are going to pass my dad is 70 my in-laws are in their 70s i think they're both 73 or 74 uh we don't know how much time we have with them and so spending time with them teaching our children that that it's important to spend time with the other. We've lost, one of the things our society has certainly lost is we do not appreciate the elderly in our society. We just don't. Uh, okay, boomer. I have a lot of thoughts about that phrase. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. One of my thoughts about that phrase is, A, it's typically said to, to Generation X, which isn't even a boomer, so you sound silly, and two, it's just a way, one more way that we can just dismiss elderly people in our society. We can just dismiss them because, oh, well, the boomers did this and the boomers did that. Hey, I got news for you. Uh, the boomers did some good stuff, too, and they did some bad stuff, just like your generation and my generation. And, and we need to embrace the complexity of humanity. The problem is we don't do good at that. We don't do good at embracing the complexity of humanity. And so... If when we find something that is complex that we dislike, we tend to avoid them. We tend to shut them out. We tend to not visit with them anymore because we tend to be all or nothing, which is, you guessed it, another cognitive distortion. If you don't know what they are, look them up. I think it's two or three episodes ago where I talk about how cognitive distortions lead to anxiety. I believe the title of the episode is Your Teenager and Anxiety. Probably like 67 or 66 episode number-wise. And so... This really comes back to the why are you going? And then what is the things that you control? What did I say your name was? Laura. Laura, what are the things that you control that you can do while you're there to, to create a better environment for yourself, for your children, that is spoken to their needs, that is spoken uh, for the benefit of all who listen? And I am not a fan of just agreeing all the time. You can disagree. You just have to find a way to do it. And you do have to kind of be on the lookout because there might come a point where you just have to say, okay, I feel like we're repeating ourselves and I care about you and I obviously care about this topic, but I'm going to let you have the last word and we're done. And that's okay. Our world doesn't tend to allow for people to disagree with them. Uh, it, it's funny because I grew up in a very religious environment and Baptists don't like Pentecostals and Pentecostals don't like Baptists. It actually worked out well for me because a guy that my wife probably would have dated and married before she ever even met me was Pentecostal and she was Baptist, so they couldn't get married. And so we got married and now we're not actually Baptists. And so it works out well for me, but it, it is kind of uh, uh, symbolic of the rest of our society. The rub that we have in the rest of our society is that when there are people that we disagree with, we just stop talking about it, right? Uh, it, it's cool to be driving down the road, see a Trump bus, take a picture, and put up the middle finger. It's cool if you're a Democrat. If you're a Republican, it's cool to see, I don't know who the Democratic candidate is currently, we'll say Bernie, and, and to put up a picture or, or to see somebody who has a political sign in their yard and, and, and do vandal, you know, vandalize it. That's okay. Well, what does that have to do with Christmas parties? Well, because they're both, the problems that we have and how we behave are both born from the same place. We actually get confused 
and think that the disagreement is more important than the relationship. And I appreciate, Laura, that you obviously see, okay, the relationship is more important, but what do I say? I'd start with those four principles. What, what needs to be said? What's the kindest way to say it? What's the most grace that I can give? And what's the system that I can follow? By the way, if you're looking for a system, might I recommend my book, The Emotionally Secure Couple? In it, there are six rules of communication that I would encourage you to memorize and employ. Uh, you can buy that wherever fine books are sold. There are copies at all of our offices. And of course, you can get an ebook on Kindle. You cannot get a book, an ebook on Apple because of a contract that I have with Kindle that expires. I believe in February, and then we'll probably reevaluate. If the relationship is most important, what's important about it? And then how do you protect it? Now, you might protect it by saying, instead of saying two days, we're only going to stay four days. Because the only two things, and I know I've said this three times now, most research says you need to say it eight for people to remember it, but I'm going to end up at four. You only control two things. Do you interact with these people? And if you decide that is how you interact with them, how do you interact with them? That's it. Those are the only two things you control. But you have to decide the why. Before you can, once you say, yes, I do interact with them. Okay, why? No, I don't interact with them. Okay, why? And then once you have the why, you go, then what? As in, then what do I do to best preserve the why? So you interact with them. You tolerate distress. You say the kindest thing possible. Rarely go wrong by asking them questions about them, by asking for clarifying questions. The sister that's a minimalist, I promise you if I came to that party, I could talk to her for three hours and just have her talking about being a minimalist. At some point, because I tend to be a black or white thinker sometimes, I would probably be tempted to point out, if I knew your information, I, I might be tempted to point out, okay, well, you say you're a minimalist, but you do this. But even that, you can craft that in a way that at least gives them the opportunity to respond so that the conversation is beneficial for everybody who listens. Because I really think that's what it's about. What's their need? Their need to what they're saying. What, what is, uh, let me rephrase that. What is, how does what they're saying meet what, a need that they have? Why is it so important to the sister that, that says she's a minimalist but really isn't? Why is that so important to her? It sounds like what you're saying is she wants to want to be a, minimal, a minimalist. Or she wants to be one, but she isn't. Okay, well, well, why? At both ends of that spectrum. Those would be fascinating conversations. Or go safe and just talk about politics. I'm kidding. Uh, I hope that answers your question, Laura. Thanks so much for the email. I got a bunch of e I went for a while, probably because I took October off. Uh, without any emails. And then I got a bunch of emails uh, the beginning of middle of this month, this past month, since we're in December now, in November. Um, and, and I just wasn't able to respond to all of them. I, 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 I rephrase that. I was able to respond to all of them. I don't know that I'm going to be able to incorporate them all into an episode. Appreciate them, though, very much. Please continue to bring them, uh, to send them. I guess you don't really bring an email. You send it, but please continue to send them. If you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy my podcast, please share it with your friends. Uh, that really is the best way for me to uh, get it out there. There are no commercials. We don't make money off of this. This is a labor of love and an effort to get out what we hope is good information to help people. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. 
Until next time, change possible.